Second Kings chapter five, page three thirty-two in your in your pew Bible. Second Kings chapter five relates a narrative of a man called Naaman. Now Naaman was quite a fellow. He was the commander of the army of Syria. He was highly respected by the king of Syria, and that fellow's name was Ben-Hadab. He was a man of valor. He was a mighty warrior. He wasn't an uh, armchair general. But Naaman had leprosy. And in 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 14, relates the story of Naaman on his journey to be healed. But Naaman isn't going to a skilled physician. He's not going to go to a specialist, a leper specialist. He's not going to take some new medicine or an experimental drug. Instead, Naaman is going to see a preacher, or to be more accurate, a prophet, a fellow by the name of Elisha. And he wasn't just a prophet, he was a prophet par excellence. And although Naaman's journey is a very, very interesting one, what I find extremely fascinating are the six people who help facilitate this journey of healing. Like the young teenage slave girl taken in one of Syria's raids to Israel, separated from her family. She may have seen her uh, her brothers or her dad killed if they defended. We don't know. And she served in the house of Naaman. And she could have been bitter. She could have been morose. She could have been angry. She could have been unforgiving. And a couple of weeks ago when we started this series, I asked the question, how do you deal with people who have harmed you or a loved one? How do you deal with them? Are you forgiving? Are you willing to help them out in life? And there's three actions in this story that made me believe that this young slave girl was a very forgiving young lady. First of all, she went to Naaman's wife and she told Naaman's wife about the man in Samaria who could heal Naaman instead of remaining quiet and letting Naaman suffer with his leprosy. I mean, if she would have been an angry girl, she could have not said anything. The second thing was this, that there must have been something in the way that this servant girl conducted herself. Something above the norm, the normal slave, the normal servant. Because when she went to Naaman's wife about Elisha, Naaman's wife passed it on to Naaman. And the third thing that makes me believe this is that she must have had credibility because Naaman went to the king with the information. Uh, let, me, let me say this with you, church. Whenever we conduct ourselves according to the principles of the kingdom of God, our actions will be above the cut of the normal. They'll be noticed by other people. They may not completely understand it, 
but they'll just know that there's something there. I'm reminded of the story in Daniel, when Daniel, about the same age as this young servant girl, Daniel and his three Hebrew companions were taken captive. And they were brought into the king's court and, and they refused to submit, said they were going to serve God. And the Bible says that when the king interviewed them, the king found them ten times better than all the magicians and the astrologers who were in, who were in his realm. When we willingly follow the principles of God, your life will take on new meaning. And so the slave girl went in to Naaman's wife and she said, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman's wife, there was just something about that girl. She passes it on, the message on to Naaman. And that's where we pick up the story this morning. In 2 Kings chapter 5, starting in verse 4. And Naaman went in and told his master, his master being the king of Syria, a fellow by the name of Ben-Hadad. So Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Now, I, I love, I love I got to tell you, I love this king's response. I love it. Go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Hold on. I mean, isn't Israel your enemy? King, didn't you stop and think that maybe it's a trap? No. Go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. Wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, king. You're king of a heathen nation. You worship multiple gods. I mean, they just worship one God. You mean to tell me you're going to let your number two man go to this prophet? But you know what? There was no hesitation, no questions asked, no what ifs on the part of the king. Just go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. I wonder how many of us could do what King Ben-Hadab had done. If someone came to us with a need and we couldn't help them with that need and the only person that we knew who could help them was your enemy. Someone we didn't like. Would we be willing to send that person in need to that individual? Or better yet, let me ask you, would you be willing to pick up the phone and call and say, hey, so-and-so's here and they have a need and I think you could help them. Can I send them over? I'm reminded of a story in Matthew chapter 22. You know, Jesus was always besting the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And one day they were trying to trick Jesus. And one of them came to him and they said, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? 
You know the story. Jesus said, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I wonder how much we really love our neighbor. Do we love them like God loves us? Church, listen. When we begin to love people like Christ loves us, when we can be like King Ben-Hadad, when we can be like that young slave girl and forgive, that's when people are going to want to know the God you serve. That's when you began to make a difference in the lives of people. I guess, how much do we love our neighbor? Do we love them like God loves us? And then the king of Syria, verse 5, let's go on. Then the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And so Naaman departed and he took with him 10 talents of silver. That was about $175,000 and 6,000 shekels of gold. That was about $2 million in today's currency, depending on who you talk to, and 10 changes of clothing. I never did understand the 10 changes of clothing. And I bothered me for a while about the money till it dawned on me that Syria was a non-Christian nation. They worshiped multiple gods. They weren't used to the God of Judah. And the only thing they knew was you got to pay for what you get. I mean, they even had to bring money in and lay it down on the altars to appease their God. Why would this God of Israel be any different? I remember the story of in Daniel chapter 5 where King Belshazzar was having quite a party. As a matter of fact, he'd sent to the temple and he had brought the, the chalices and all the, the stuff at the temple and they were having a, a grand old time and all of a sudden in the midst of the party, all of a sudden a man's finger appeared and he began to write on the wall. Boy, I mean that party, you talk about put a damper on a party, that'd do it. And he called all of his astrologers and magicians and they couldn't help anything. And one of them said, I know a guy. Let me bring him to you. And they brought Daniel in front of the king. And the king said, I've heard you that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. And that you can read writing and, and make it known to me the interpretation. If you can do this, I'll clothe you in purple and, and you'll have a chain around your neck and you'll be the third ruler in the nation. I love Daniel's answer. Let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Listen, man can has always been trying to purchase things from God. When in reality, God has nothing to sell. It's all free. It's already been paid for by His Son, Jesus Christ. 
Eternal life is free. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave. It's free. Healing is free. Isaiah 53.5, Jesus was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes were healed. God's wisdom and, and knowledge and understanding that he wants to impart to you is free. Proverbs 2, 5 and 6. For the Lord gives wisdom out of his mouth. He gives wisdom out of his mouth comes knowledge and, and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the righteous. He's a shield to those who walk upright. You got a problem this morning? God's already got the answer. He's just waiting to give it to you. Listen, church, the things of God cannot be bought. They can't be bartered for. They don't need to be begged for. Everything is a free gift. Freely given to you and I. All we've got to do is just receive it by faith and thank him. I love what the apostle Peter said. He said, grace and peace, let it be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ as his divine power has given, past tense, has given us all things that pertain to life and living a life pleasing to God. The Apostle Paul and writing to the church at Rome from Rome said this, for God has proved his love for us by giving us his greatest treasure the gift of his son. And since God freely offered up his son as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us any other good thing that he has to give us. Listen, Naaman needed healing. And it was waiting for him. I don't know what you need this morning. It may be just some hope. Maybe you're feeling down or despondent. Maybe, maybe you need wisdom on raising your kids or, I mean, we've got a five-year-old, nine-year-old, I'm sorry, with us and it hadn't been that way in years. I don't mind telling you, I need wisdom. Maybe it's something financial. But this morning, the things of God can't be bought or bartered for. They're free for you. God's got that free wisdom. You need strength in your body, God's got that for you. You need wisdom to figure out a problem God's got that for you. No charge. Maybe, maybe this is a good time. Let's just pray. Lord, there's more we could say about this story, but 
I think we need to just stop. And while I know the names of the people here, regrettably we don't know them as well as we would like to. Lord, I know there's needs. And the nice thing is the wonderful thing about you as our God is it can't be bought, can't be bartered for, and we don't need to beg. It's free, already paid for, in full. And Lord, there's people here this morning with needs. Well, they may not tell anybody else and nobody else might be aware of it, but they are. There's fears here that people have lived with for years. There's others that have fears about the future. What's going to happen to me? What am I going to do? How am I going to survive? How am I going to make it? There's others who are maybe caught in a relationship, a marriage, or, or something else, and it's not going like, like it ought to. Lord, help them this morning. There are others, Lord, who have sickness in their bodies and, and, and maybe the doctor's prognosis isn't very good, but I know you and I know yours. By his stripes we were healed. Maybe it's just a confused mind about you and about our place with you. And what your grace covers, I don't know. But I know this. If for Naaman who didn't have a covenant with you, you would respond to his need, how much more will you respond to our need this morning? How much more? Lord, come and just let your Holy Spirit minister to our inner man, our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.